So I just finished reading this comic. It took me, I think, about an hour. I don't know. I got up, I got ready, and then I started reading. And then I, I left for work, and uh, I'm here early, so I'm, I'm discussing this. Um, Captain America, number three, uh, seems to be an iconic issue. Uh, I thought I had remembered hearing something about how Cap's shield used to be shaped differently, and it was like a, uh, an existing hero, but and then Marvel was forced to to change the shape of it, so I don't know if they went in and edited and painted over the, for the first two issues, especially because I think the uh, issues on Marvel Unlimited are like re-issues or, or uh, reprints of a sort, um, where they were able to go in and edit those things out, because uh, his shield is round in the first two issues, and then it's round in the third one, but something I noticed in this third one is that this is the first time Cap throws a shield, and it was really interesting because he doesn't throw a shield in a comic first. He throws it in a short story first. In the, the first two issues of Cap, uh, there are these, I don't know, page and a half, two page, whatever, short stories that tell, uh, it's prose, you know? It's, uh, you know, pulp fiction in a you know novel form instead of you know, comics. There's like an image that goes with it, but nothing very extensive. And uh, the same holds true in this third one, except I noticed a couple things. One, this one was written by Stanley. I think the previous two were written by Joe Simon, but I'd have to confirm that. Um, and uh, in this one, it mentions uh, Cap throwing his shield. And then in the final story that we get, because uh, this Captain America comic books, it was an anthology more than anything, and it told, you know, two to three, or three to four, really. Captain America stories at first and then uh, like a caveman story and something else I don't know weird stuff I, I skip I don't even read those I'm just here for Cap basically uh, but in the third one at the very end he takes out a flying opponent by the use of a shield and uh, I try to look at the writing credits or any of the credits really and uh, the app shows when you're looking at one book it'll show related books below and it'll show the credits there in full or not in full, it just lists last names, basically. Uh, and uh, when I was looking at three, uh, I saw for two, and then I saw for four. Uh, on one and two, Lee was not on there, but on four, he was. So I clicked on it on issue two, and then sure enough, on the third one, it showed Lee, Kirby, Simon, and then other people who worked on the other comics, or the other stories in this uh, anthology. And I thought that was very interesting. I noticed in big, bold, prominent letters, Stan Lee is there on... Uh, the short story, uh, and then it got me thinking, well, the dialogue was maybe a little punchier, there's a little of that stuff where there's a drawing, uh, and then a caption describing the drawing, uh, is it possible that Stan Lee took over, um, the art, and listening to a video by your boy Zach in, in, uh, response to NerdSync, uh, last week, I think he said that, uh, the reason that, um, Joe Simon, uh, got Jack Kirby to work with him on Cap, <laughs> you know, for Timely Comics, uh, was because Simon had a story idea, a uh, character he wanted to work with, um, but that he wasn't a very fast artist. So uh, Kirby, uh, he got Kirby along to help, and I was wondering if maybe Lee took over writing and Simon and Kirby um, shared responsibilities drawing, and maybe that's why there's some inconsist inconsistencies in the drawing. This is this issue. Uh, the art overall looks great, but there are some weird little quirks um, that I picked up while I was reading, and uh, I don't know, they just kind of stood out to me. Anyway, I know the mythos is that Stanley, you know, transformed Marvel and everything when he did Fantastic Four in 1961, uh, but I'm interested to see 
you don't just become a good writer. You build towards it because, you know, you've got to write all the crap out first and then you eventually write something really good or you know what to leave out, what to include, that kind of thing, how to be concise. And I'm wondering how much of the, I guess, good potential was present in uh, Lee's writing in these early cat books. And I was originally going to re- only read like the first three or so. I, I think I was just going to read the first three, uh, but I might have to read more of these to see uh, if they continue to be good and if they continue to um, include more things that would be key to who Captain America is because uh, the question that I'm asking, you know, did Stan Lee make Captain America an icon or an iconic character, is based on the fact that if you take Captain America in his first two issues uh, and even to some extent in the first couple stories in the third issue he's just a strong guy he's strong he's fast he has very good hearing whoops forgot to mute that and uh he's a noble guy but there's lots of superheroes who are like that there were also a lot of patriotic superheroes there's a liberty bell from dc I think there's even a Lady Liberty from DC. I think both of those are DC. And I can't remember all the others, but those are just some instances. Because uh, Anyway, I looked into that a while back, and I thought it was interesting that there are a fair amount of patriotic superheroes, you know, flag-based superheroes. But most of them uh, don't stand out. Most of them, uh, your average comic book person wouldn't be able to remember. Oh, interesting. I did find a credit. Ha! In The Return of the Red Skull, that was supposedly, or that was Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Huh. I'll have to look more closely at the other uh, the other um, splash pages to see if it includes who who worked on those. But anyway, I think things that make Cap iconic are the fact that he throws the shield, and I'm not 100 sure what else. Maybe his uh, his Boy Scout personality, but I'm not even sure that's uh, so much of it. I think really the visuals of him bursting through it was it was interesting. Some of the images of him fighting reminded me of. Uh, like the Marvel vs. Capcom game, how he like dashes through with a shield, and then obviously it throws it. You know, he throws it and it ricochets and stuff like that. And I kind of think like that's kind of the core of what makes him such an interesting character visually, um, because uh, I, I think he kind of draws you in visually, uh, and then probably the depth of the character actually makes him more interesting, keeps people um, enticed and, and wanting to know more about him and continuing his stories and these are all war propaganda stories and I think the cool factor and then the fact that it was you know anti-Nazi was probably enough to you know keep kids engaged I mean but these are exciting adventure tales throughout Uh, I just uh, I'm going through and I'm approaching all these things as I keep saying uh, because I don't know Marvel history that well and uh, I'm just kind of approaching it humbly and, you know, kind of uh, trying to forget what I know about the comics and go through and see and assess each one. Like, why is this popular? Why was Captain America a popular character? Why did he last? Um, uh, as I go, I'm going to get to, uh, you know, I've been reading Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and I'm eventually going to get to, um, like, Thor and Ant-Man and uh, early Iron Man and stuff, uh, which all came after Fantastic Four. And uh, it'll... Like, I want to look at those things and really assess why did they work. And I think Cap throwing his shield is one of the things that makes him really cool. And it's one of the elements that made him work. And, of course, uh, you know, that was uh, made you know, 20 years before um, uh, Fantastic Four. So it's kind of weird. But then, you know, what was so iconic about Captain America that they brought him back? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm eventually going to get to that. Uh, but I will get to the actual... Uh, review as opposed to rambling and uh, and you know, thinking like a, you know a broader view of comics in general.
Uh, so it's funny that uh, the cover boasts that there's 45 pages of Captain America action, uh, but like two of them are prose, like I said, and then uh, three or four are splash pages. You got this huge uh, splash page with uh, Red Skull, you know, killing this uh, phony Captain America and Bucky. By the way, uh, the review for this is go read it. It's awesome. There's a lot of exciting stuff. Um, very cool things. It's very enjoyable, very fun. Took me like I said, I think about an hour to read. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Maybe I'm a slow reader. I think I read comics slower than other people do. But maybe I also get to enjoy them more than other people do because I'm not rushing through. Yes, it's not a contest, guys. Anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, you've got your, your covers and your, your splash pages. And uh, it's funny. It's, you know, 45 comics is a lie. And then Betty uh, is on the cover, and she's supposed to be in danger, you know, and she and Bucky are facing the same life threatening danger from the Red Skull. She doesn't even appear, and uh, I don't think Red Skull captures Bucky at all in this. Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't. Um, but even if he did, he wasn't about to shoot him through a rocket-looking thing like, like that was on the cover. Um, but anyway, I think it's... Uh, I, I think each of these splash pages is a really great uh, work. I, I'm assuming this is all Kirby, although, you know, like I said, the credits are, are unclear, so I don't really know. Um, but they all... Uh, look great. They have great movement, uh, like a very uh, good vibe to them, and uh, they were really exciting to see. Uh, and then, like I said, there's you know the the one prose story in there. It's uh, Traitor's Revenge, um, or Captain America foils a Traitor's Revenge, and that's why Stanley it introduces you know unique elements to to Cap that I think, like I said, you know, great staying power. Funny enough, though, um, there were some you know I talked about there were some gaffes in the art. Uh, but there were also like some editing mistakes. Like there's this guy in a yellow trench coat. He calls a guy in a red trench coat with glasses and a pipe bill. And then the guy sees something and he's shocked. And the guy in the red calls the guy in yellow bill. And it's really funny because the odds of both of these men being named Bill and talking to each other are really low. And I think it was just a mistake by the letterer or maybe even by Lee or Simon or whoever was doing the writing that they said, you know, attach, you know, attach, you know, this dialogue to this word bubble. I don't know how exactly that works or if the guy doing dialogue... No, I would have thought they'd be letters. Anyway, um, so that was kind of uh, a funny thing. That's more of a, like a writing... A writing... That's a, an editing mistake and it stems from the writing or lettering. And again, I don't know exactly how that worked because some letterers were writers and some writers were letterers, I think is how it went early on. But there's a big mistake where Red Skull and his driver... Uh, they change. The guy who's driving the giant drill, he changes from being a regular guy with a regular face mask to a uh, guy with a really interesting designed face mask uh, that kind of evokes a skull, and it's really cool. And the uh, the inconsistency, uh, I don't know, it's, it's funny. It kind of hit me as I was going through, and I wondered, like, why it was allowed to, to stay um, and why somebody didn't catch that. And the only thing I can think now is maybe Simon and Kirby were both doing art and they were kind of, you know, passing off pages to each other or like, hey, I'm going to take, you know, one, you know, I'll take the odds, you take the evens, that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, it's just interesting to me. Uh, another uh, fun thing, actually, so, you know, my light roast aside, uh, there's some really great stuff. Part of the reason I love comics is because there's things that you can only do in comics um, that work really well. You've got this, <laughs> these, the smattering of newspapers, um, you know, announcing that the Red, Col Red Skull's back, that he killed somebody, whatever. And then you've got uh, his head just floating there, and there's, like, blue, whatever, energy, light, uh, action, impact sign, like, behind him. And 
if you dissect the image and you really think about it hard, it looks stupid, and there's no reason that that should have been allowed to like have been made, have been <laughs> uh, like put into a piece of uh, a piece of art. Like it just looks dumb on its own, but in the context of the comic, um, it feels good. It feels right. It feels impactful. It conveys the message uh, through the visuals. Um, you know, Red Skull's menacing. Um, these you know newspapers are you know spreading information about him. And he's just loving it, and all that's conveyed in that you know kind of silly image. If you you know take it to its uh, if you really think about it hard, it's dumb, but uh, the way it works is smart, <laughs> and it's very clever in how it conveys all that information in a single image. So I talked a lot earlier about how the throwing of the shield kind of makes Cap iconic, uh, but there's also some very punchy dialogue. Uh, where it happens in the last story where Captain America is fighting the terrible moth. Uh, it says specifically, oh, oh, the butterfly's gun barks viciously as his bullets rebound from Captain America's shield with a ringing sprang. Uh, that feels to me like Stan Lee uh, wrote that because it's just so bombastic and punchy. And um, I don't know that it was all punchy and bombastic before uh, this issue as opposed to more descriptive of what was going on. Uh, but just... I don't know. There's something special about this set of pages, and uh, I, I actually originally uh, I skimmed through this issue before I um, read it, and I was really intrigued by the butterfly design. I really liked it. I thought it was great. Uh, maybe that's because I'm into tokusatsu and, and bug-themed uh, character designs and whatnot, but uh, it really struck me, and I thought, oh, that's good. So whoever did it, I'm, I'm going to give it to Kirby because he's so, you know, great and so lauded by people. I'm going to say it's probably Kirby doing that. And it was you know, really great design, very effective, very creepy. Uh, I liked how menacing he got to look on so many pages. But the great thing is he's this you know, terrible foe that Cap's going to have a hard time defeating, and things are really fraught. But then Cap just whaps him with a shield. Like, he, <laughs> he's too far for him to get to. Uh, so he just throws his shield, and it smacks the guy and takes him out. And... That's just so great. Um, you know, we only get to see it ricochet the one time. It hits him, and then it you know flies off in a different direction. And uh, actually, I, they don't include this. Uh, it doesn't hit the wall and then come back to Cap, but it could have. And the potential's there. And uh, I think some of the fun in comics and, and in storytelling is seeing how when somebody has an opportunity to play with something, uh, they can make it really cool by being fast and loose and by just going with what feels right and I wonder if uh, in issue 4 he's going to ricochet that shield a couple times and catch it because uh, that's going to like when that happens that'll be that'll be really neat in, in the prose story it sounded like he just threw it and um, like knocked the guy over knocked the gun out or the knife out of his hand or whatever um, but in you know and then you get to see visually with the butterfly he you know knocks him down knocks him out of the air I recorded and stopped suddenly anyway um, so he knocks him out of the air and then it bounces off, and maybe it's going to hit the wall, and maybe it's going to come back to him, and maybe seeing the visuals in that um, as it hit the stands, that was something that the creative team... And I'm not just going to throw it to Lee, even though I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he was the guy who, who made the push for this sort of stuff. Um, maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was a collaborative decision. I've heard there's a lot of controversy about uh, Lee taking credit for things that he didn't quite do, uh, you know, and, which is fine. I mean, it's not good that he did that. Uh, I'm fine with the controversy, and I have no dog in the fight because these are, you know dead men who I don't know. Um, I've enjoyed their work and, you know, I, I'd rather know the truth than, uh, you know, delude myself. But anyway, 
maybe the creative team saw this and thought, you know what, we can push this further or farther rather, and we can make it even cooler and make Cap a more dynamic, more exciting character through doing that. So anyway, that's the conclusion of my review. I want to let you know though to uh, you know stay tuned to Swinging Through Comics because at the end of the month, uh, like January twenty first or near the end of the month, the uh, Stan Lee biography, the latest one uh, that was just published in I think December. Um, I, I don't read with my eyes very well, so I'm going to listen to the audiobook of it, and I'm going to be doing a review of sorts on it, a review I'm going to be discussing it, I guess, here, and I don't know if I'm going to do that in one uh, shot, or if I'm going to do it in multiple stages, or what, maybe I'll listen to it once through, give my overall impressions, and then if I feel it's warranted, I'll listen to it, uh, you know, again, and, and dive deeper into certain things, or maybe just go over stuff from different sections of the book, um, but I'm very excited for that, and, uh, I think it should be a good thing, and uh, that's just one of the things that you can look forward to. Uh, I will be continuing to, uh, the the next issue of a comic I'm going to review is going to be Fantastic Four, unless um, Rise of Kylo Ren or the Abrams Spider-Man comes out next week, which I don't think it will. I think those are like two or three weeks away from the time of this recording. So anyway, uh, like I said, I'm going to keep working through uh, the older comics, and eventually I'll get to the point where I'm reading them as they came out through the 60s um like every basically every issue unless i really dislike something then i'll I'll drop it because you know if it's no good um you know i'll let it be and then maybe i'll look ahead to see you know when a writer change uh or creative team change and maybe you know pick it up at that point but anyway uh like i said i'm approaching uh comics humbly if you know more information than I do about uh, the history of these things and you want to inform me, uh, I would definitely welcome that. You can drop me a comment anywhere. Uh, let's see. I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and give you my uh, my spiel for the end of the episode. So thanks for sticking with me. Check out mjmunoz.com for more of my work. I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee or you can buy merch from my Redbubble store. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, Stitcher and mjmunoz.com slash STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this, subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time I'm Swinging Through Comics.